Dr. Rick here. Another sign you're becoming your parents is getting particular about details that don't matter. The craziest thing happened when we got tacos the other day. Was it Wednesday or Thursday we got tacos? I know it wasn't Tuesday because that's when I went to my hairdresser. Shoot, what day was it? See how we all lost interest there? Progressive can't help you from becoming your parents, but we can help you compare rates on home insurance with HomeQuote Explorer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. All right. Welcome to another edition of the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tepetabai. Just Dr. Justin Quinn today, but... He is on a podcast here. Dr. Quinn, you were just on a, another podcast. You want to tell us about it? Uh, preferably not. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to hear people uh, hear me butchering Spanish uh, because hablando en español sobre basket is not my strength. Uh, if you want to talk about ferrocarriles or trains, I'm, I'm your guy. But uh, strangely, I just don't really consumer talk about enough uh, basketball and particularly the Celtics in Spanish. But if you do speak Spanish or you want to use me to practice, I don't know why you would do that, uh, then you can check out the Orgioso Verdes podcast on uh, Planeta Celtics, I think is the network, or maybe I have that backwards. But anyway, uh, it was a lot of fun. Cool. So yeah, shout out to our listeners who speak Spanish. That might be a good listen. We here at Celtics Lab have a few things that if you are unaware of, you definitely want to check out. We just had comedian Gary Goldman on the podcast. That was just tremendous, really hilarious. And then last week, uh, a lot of our KG coverage still holds. We had our friend Honest Larry on to talk about the good old days. And Dr. Quinn talked to J.R. Giddens about his Celtics days. So uh, we got a lot of listening homework for our Celtics Lab friends. Today, what we're going to do is we are going to talk about the news. We'll talk about the KG jersey retirement, the week or so that was. We haven't really checked in in a while, Justin. And then in the lab portion of the programming, we're going to predict the seating in the Eastern Conference and try to come up with A, who falls where, and B, what that might mean for the Celtics. So that is our agenda for today. Since we last did a news segment, which again, it's been a while, Boston played Charlotte and they won. Um, we got to see Isaiah Thomas, which uh, felt good. It was not that interesting of a game, quite frankly. Although, you know, the Celtics made it harder for themselves and it was nice that they dug it out. They wouldn't have done that a few months ago. Detroit win, same thing. Uh, let it get away from them in a way that they didn't need to. Came back, made it a game. And then the KG jersey retirement. A lot of folks in Boston have been talking about the Celtics choked. I was watching that game. I thought Luca won the game. What about you? I mean, if we're going to be completely above board, Spencer Dinwiddie uh, actually oh. being able to hit a three for once in his career this summer, the summer, the season uh, is really what won the game. But I mean, from all three of those games, basically what I saw was absolutely nothing that changes my mind about anything other than when the Celtics play tough teams, they need to maintain a defensive integrity as much as they possibly can, definitely more than in that Mavs game. And they need some contributions of some kind offensively off of the bench. If they don't have those two things, they aren't going to be good teams. And that's not exactly a revelation. So it sucked that it was that day, but it was going to come sooner or later. Yeah. It, 
the recent stretches just kind of confirmed that Jason Tatum is a killer uh, of very serious prowess. However, when he's not on his game, it's not, it's not very pretty. And this is, this is not a well-baked thought, but I'm wondering about Jalen Brown as a, as a one, a, I don't really, again, I haven't really thought that out too much, but it hasn't felt like the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown show enough. Well, he has not been shooting like himself this season, and he hasn't really been doing a lot of the stuff that he was doing earlier in the season. It's a little bit of a slump for him, and I'm okay with that if it's happening now. If it continues into the postseason, then we're going to have something to worry about. Maybe there's, you know, you know, he has some issues with tendonitis that maybe could be affecting his game. I don't want to try to, like, diagnose him from afar, but something has definitely not been quite the same with his game Hopefully that is a very temporary thing. I suspect it is because he does tend to fluctuate in intensity. Yeah. And we'll talk about strength of schedule. There's a few games where maybe they can really let Jalen cook or even sit Jason, help him find some rhythm, but there are some tough games on the schedule too. So we'll see, I suppose. Um, anything else from just the, the X's and O's that we've been seeing the past few days. Off the top of my head, not particularly the, 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 Regression from the bench is a little bit concerning. Uh, there's a really good Sports Illustrated article uh, by Michael Pina, a friend of the pod, who talked with Derek White. And one of the things that I really gleaned from it is that Derek really sounds like he is still the Celtics in, let's say, December, really mm-hmm. trying to fit, to catch up with the switch-heavy scheme that, that Boston is running so I suspect that once the, the rest of the regular season is run through, that he will be kind of on the same page as the rest of the team. And considering that they already have either the best or very close to it, depending on where we are in the schedule uh, defense in the league, that's kind of scary. Yeah. I, I wrote about this for Celtics blog. I, for that, I, I think Derek White, the sixth man is like a really crucial role for the Celtics team moving forward. But quite frankly, it's, it's that project, so to speak, isn't up and running. Um, but I, I believe in dark white. I mean, I think that he can get there. Maybe there's not enough time this season, but still a really, really effective complimentary piece. Um, I guess an X's and O's thing, and then we'll keep it moving that we, we talked about recently is that Al Horford is playing a ton of minutes. I think a little bit by necessity and he looks great. I mean, I don't want to tell him his business, but I would be worried that that could come to a head. So something to consider. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday evening. They're going to play Golden State. That could be a really telling game. Could just be another regular season game, but certainly this little West Coast trip might mean something. I don't know. Um, what were your thoughts on the KG retirement? We, we had a whole lot of friendly faces in the building, and we had a lot of friendly faces give little speeches or share their thoughts. Any moment stick out to you? The lack of availability overseas was a problem. I actually oh, had to, yeah, no, I had to be sneaky. And I guess it's not really sneaky because it was completely legal, uh, which I can't say about all my viewing uh, <laughs> all the time. Uh, being here in Mexico, it can be a bit of a pain to get everything that I need to uh, from the NBA. But from this, I had to get a, a YouTube TV trial, uh, not to give them a free commercial or anything like that. But it actually worked out uh, for that one particular event that I couldn't really get any other way. 
And apart from the lack of such events being available overseas, NBA, if you're listening, please do something about it because I am very, very, very far from the only person with this kind of an issue, uh, was that it was so well done. Uh, the, the really, my biggest complaints, honestly, was that someone either didn't tell Paul Pierce uh, how much he was going to be speaking or that mm-hmm. he just didn't plan and it didn't go like he hoped it would. But I mean, even that was like, it was only like a little bit of stumbling, like a couple, a couple of minor complaints maybe about the whole event but in terms of its production it was very well put together it was not too long it didn't have too many people speaking ad nauseum about all kinds of archaic stuff that you know might be amusing to people like me who are into history but to a general audience particularly like a not super like engaged deep like ultra fan kind of an audience i thought it was a really good way to showcase that era and not only to the fans, but also to the current Celtics. So I thought that was a lot of a lot of fun on a lot of levels. Yeah, yeah. The the, the thing that I liked the most was seeing Kevin Garnett. I mean, the, the Jalen Brown dunk was the thing that I liked the most. And the Jalen Brown dunk plus a Kevin Garnett high five. The only thing that would have been better, I don't know if you saw this moment when Kevin Garnett, was, they almost had him get the ball from the top of the backboard. That would have been incredible. Um, but I would love to be a fly on the wall. The conversation between Marcus Smart and Kevin Garnett, the programming it was a lot, quite frankly, it should be a lot. I, I, I bet it was better in person and that's probably more important as a television production. It was fine. No better, no worse than similar events, but um, I bet it was really special in person. So I'm really happy that that happened. And man, Garnett looked great in that turtleneck uh, suit combo. I mean, that was, that was one of the highlights, quite frankly. Um, and just, we, I mean, we spent all week leading up to it and a few days since just kind of like basking in the glory of Kevin Garnett and that era. And that's been enjoyable. Um, one thing there, that, there. go ahead. Yeah. I know where you're going. I know. Well, I mean, the, the, we're burying the lead, which is maybe Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett are friends again. And I think that I read, I should be able to cite my sources better, that the Hall of Fame events did kind of help thaw things and that Paul Pierce, who has been working to thaw things over the past few years, was instrumental there. Um, The question I'll I'll pose to you is, do you believe that the hatchet is buried? And do you think that it was ever really that big of an issue in the first place? Uh, I think that the media in its ever continuing uh, attempt to generate content out of anything and everything just really went to town with it and made it seem worse than it was. I think it was as bad as everyone thought it was at first, but I think it was, it was kept on life support a lot longer than it needed to be because Mm -hmm. of the media uh, approach to such things. I do believe that it's over. I don't think that Kevin Garnett is the sort of person who would spend even a half second pretending to like someone who doesn't. So for me, I think that this opens up a lot of interesting doors for, for the Celtics for the future, including we don't need to have this discussion because as I have been very vocal on Twitter, the whole discussion of whether or not there are too many uh, jerseys retired and or Ray Allen uh, should be retired. I, I don't care either way. Like, I'd be happy if he was. I wouldn't be offended if he wasn't. And no, there's 85 jerseys left. They do not have too many jerseys retired. Every single player on the Celtics could wear a different jersey for a quarter of the season and they would still have some left over. So that's not a thing. Yeah, I mean, also the people who have numbers retired earn the hell out of that. They're not flukes. Yeah. 
or if they didn't earn it on the court, they earned it in other ways. Um, I think I disagree with you. I think Kevin Garnett doesn't like Ray Allen, but can be polite. Um, they're, this is so you say like, do you, so, so this is the thing, cause you said friends and I, I, are they, I mean, like, no, I think they're cordial. I think exactly. And like, that's what I mean when I say that, because when you run into someone that you used to work with, maybe you had a big fight before you stopped working with them 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Are you friends? I don't know. No, you're not. So that's, that's the thing. And we can, let's run this on Twitter. Maybe this little clip. Um, I don't think that they should retire Ray Allen's number. Not, I mean, for posterity and to round out the era, sure, whatever. But the fact of the matter is he broke up with the Celtics pretty obviously. I mean, we don't know what yeah, happened behind I mean, the scenes. Danny but... broke up with him pretty obviously. I can go both ways. And like, I see the merits of both arguments. That's why I'm like, whatever they want to do, you know, it's really. I don't know. I mean, yes, intellectually, you're right. But I don't think that the politics of banner raising or number retiring works that way to your point ray allen might not have celtic stuff at his house and we can call that spade a spade but uh it it, he didn't plead to come back i mean he took a lot less money to go play for the rival miami heat and won a title in the process he was okay so this was actually revealed to me uh i can't remember where i heard it exactly but when free agency opened ahead of that, he was not the first person they called. They called Jason Terry first. Hmm. So think to your... Did Jason Terry tell you that? Uh, no, he did not, actually. I heard it from somebody <laughs> else. Um, the, okay, that's big. Yeah, so I mean, put yourself in this situation. Like, if you not only have been attempted to have been traded within the last league season, and then you find out that not only uh, were they trying to get rid of you, but they were also going to bring someone in who would have, like, cut your minutes down to basically, you know, like, deep... Jason Terry's minutes. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, Then why wouldn't you leave? Why wouldn't you go to a situation where, where, you know, like Pat Riley's dropping a handful of rings on the stupid table and all that lore. And you're being made to feel wanted by one of the biggest up and coming stars. Yes. We all dislike him on the basketball court. Totally fair. I'm not asking you to like someone you shouldn't just get yourself inside the head of somebody else. I don't think that like, the, the, the breakup was messy. The breakup was bad. It could have been handled better by Ray. He admittedly only called Paul, which is probably why they were able to mend the fences so much sooner rather than everyone else. But at the end of the day, it's a job. He wasn't valued and he took his services someplace he was. And like we as fans get emotionally invested and we can feel however we want to about that. And maybe, as you said, the politics of banner raising should reflect that to at least some significant extent. But again, if the organization is okay for it, if Kevin Garnett is literally calling for it, I will not have a problem with it. All right, fair enough. I wonder if you're just standing up for him because he's a Yukon guy, which Shut leads up. me, <laughs> which leads me to uh, a little stoppage in the action to talk about our friends at BetOnline.ag. It's that time of year. College basketball is taking center stage, and the tournament is finally upon us. Looking to wager on all the action, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and information, along with great contests, including their very own bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. I'll ask you about UConn. How are you feeling about UConn in the tournament? 
For the women, I think they have a very good chance at taking it. Uh, the field probably has the best chance in two decades at, at taking it. Sure. But for the men, I think it's going to be a real uphill battle. Uh, I do think they're going to have a first round. I'm not so sure they're going to get too much further than that. Uh, it really depends on how well they shoot and how well uh, Adama Sanogo, uh, their, their young big man, does on, on the interior. So we'll see how they do. Uh, I don't think they have a real shot at winning it this season. Uh, for that, uh, I'm going to go with our, our previous guest, uh, Gary Goleman, and go with the Zags for, the, for the, winning the whole enchilada. Yeah, I talked a big Providence game because of my New England pride, and I've backed off of that on a lot of my brackets. Anyways, head over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code CLNS50 to get started. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering, live betting, and favorite Vegas casino games. The fastest and easiest way to wager on all popular sports and games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, we got a little bit of news, and then we'll hop into the Celtics lab. So uh, after consecutive 10-day contracts, the Celtics are signing Malik Fitz through the next season. What do you know about that? Surprised by that? Do you have any meaningful thoughts. All I really know about Fitz is that he's a great bench guy. Well, Udoka said that he is a guy they want to take another look at. So they're seeing stuff, as he said, in practice that we are not seeing, obviously, because I think he's played less than five minutes total so far on both 10-day contracts. So he must really be valuable in practice in some way that is not being articulated. And, you know, obviously it shouldn't be. Uh, that is something that they want to keep to themselves. But they do seem to like what they see. As far as I, I know, the, the second season is unguaranteed. or No, it's partially guaranteed. So if they do decide they want to move, do something else, it's not going to be particularly difficult for them to do that. And really, we want them to start using these end-of-bench roles to start developing young talent. That's exactly what they're doing here. I would have gone with some other potential people, maybe Chris Clemens from the G League uh, up in mm-hmm. Maine, something like that. But overall, it's what we want to see them doing. we got to give them time to see if it bears fruit. And I mean, if, if the first half of the season compared to now is any indication that we should be more patient with this, this iteration of the Celtics, I don't know what it is. I mean, the group seems to like him. The chemistry state is good enough for me. If, if his basketball acumen matters down the stretch, that's, there's a bigger problem there. Um, so congrats to Fitz. Come on the pod. Tell us what's up. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everyone loves TV Dad. On the next TV Dad, presented by Progressive, TV Dad gets us through heartache. (laughs) Chin up, sport. Oh, hey, TV Dad. You know what heals all wounds? Time? (laughs) No, it's remembering the drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. But Jen still doesn't want to be with me. True. I actually saw her with your friend Brian earlier. Wait, what? Listen to your TV dad. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Uh, last bit of news. Aaron Neesmith still sidelined with an ankle injury. Any update there that people might not know about? Well, it's basically been the same uh, story coming from Yudoka when we do hear about it in the pressers. And that's mostly just that 
we don't know exactly when he's going to come back. We knew it was going to be a while. And then we knew it was going to be towards the end of the trip. Now they're saying he might be available by the end of the trip, which would be Oklahoma City. Uh, I think on the 22nd, if I remember correctly, there, thereabouts, but uh, still a fair amount of ways away. And with what looked like a, you know, again, I'm not going to diagnose him from afar, but it looked like a high ankle sprain. And that's actually a pretty good return from something like that. That can have you out for like six weeks to, to several right. months. Yeah, no, those are the bad ones. Those aren't the ones that you've, you humble listener have gotten here and there. Those are real medical issues. All right, we're about to hop into the lab portion of the programming. I I had a whole line about St. Patrick's Day at the, the top of the podcast, but I forgot it. Um, but uh, my mom's maiden name is Quigley, so one to another, Justin, happy St. Patrick's Day. Um, to our listeners, happy St. Patrick's Day. Celebrate responsibly. And as a gift to us, maybe rate and review this podcast on iTunes in between um trips to the bathroom at Cleary's or whatever. Anyways, let's hop into the lab. What we're going to do is we're going to predict the seeding for the Eastern Conference and the 2022 season. So if it is helpful for you, why don't you go ahead and open up the standings on another tab or on your phone while you're listening so you can see what may or may not shift. And I'm going to have Justin tell us what the seeding is going to be a few weeks from now. So everyone okay, so- has their everyone has their standings in front of them. They're ready to rock. Justin, tell us what's up. So using Tankathon strength of schedule, there's a couple other ones out there. I think Basketball Reference has one. A couple other sites have them as well. Uh, I, I used my own observations combined with what we can expect them to be facing. Now, I'm going to tell you the seating with my explanation in brief. So starting at the top, I have the Heat finishing first because even though they have the 27th hardest um, schedule, which should be a breeze. There, there is some injury concern. There is some. There, they are uh, getting some players back from injury, like Oladipo, who are not, you know, fully integrated into the rotation. But with such an easy schedule, I just don't see anyone overtaking them for the first uh, slot going into the postseason. The Bucks have the seventh hardest, but seem to be rolling. So I don't really think that's going to be too much of a problem. They might flip with the next team that I have, which is the 76ers, with the twelfth hardest. They are experiencing a little bit of turbulence uh, with integrating James Harden. They've had some issues. We don't need to talk about them as much as it might make us happy to do so. Uh, (laughs) Apart from that, I have the Celtics coming in fourth. Uh, They have the fifth hardest schedule. So this, they could slide down another slot more to Mm -hmm. the fifth where I have the Bulls who have the hardest remaining strength of schedule, but I don't think that's going to happen. And even if it does, they're just going to end up facing the same team on the other side of the same matchup. Right. So that's not really too big of a deal. I, I think that barring, you know, some bad luck, Chicago is looking more and more like the team will face in the first round. We can get into who we'll be facing after that. But for now, it looks like at least for the first round, we have a pretty favorable matchup on the horizon. After that, we have the Raps, which I have um, at six uh, with the 17th hardest schedule. Uh, they seem like they're getting their, their act together and making a push up the standings. So I think there's a pretty good chance that they're going to end up around there. Uh, the Nets, I may have even underestimated at seventh with the 25th hardest because they are also rolling. However, they do they did get some pretty negative news regarding Ben Simmons' back. He's still having some back issues, so they may not be able to reintegrate him until close to the postseason or beyond. And I think they really need him to have a real chance at beating any of the better teams at the with home court advantage. 
So we'll see how that goes. Below that, we have the Cavs with a 20, uh, 20th hardest schedule. Uh, they are missing Jarrett Allen for probably the rest of the, the regular season with a broken finger, possibly also into the postseason. So I, I have them sliding down a little bit from where they are now. Uh, I think that's pretty reasonable. And then for the playing range, we have the Hawks, Hornets, and Wizards in that order. Uh, Hawks have the 29th hardest and have not been doing so great. The Hornets, uh, they've been doing pretty solid. Uh, I think that they have a pretty good chance at coming out of this. And the Wizards, um, I did not write down their strength of schedule. They're, I mean, they're four and a half games back. It's it's a it's long very shot. Very unlikely, yeah. That's what yeah. I got. So two things that I would point out to anyone who is actually following along. Because a bunch of games got canceled, I would look at the loss column rather than the games behind because that – uh, teams haven't played the same amount of games at this point, and that will really tell you something. So the Celtics are four and a half games back um, in the standings, but only four games back from the heat in the loss column. So it's a little confusing more so than other seasons. Right now, the Celtics have played 69 games, and so there's only 13 games left on the schedule. Making up. Huh? Nice. Oh, thank you. I thought I did the math wrong. I was so... <laughs> no. I, I was so I'm making an immature joke, sorry. No, 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 I was too. It was a very pregnant pause. Anyways, uh, the the extent to which teams can make up uh, spacing in the standings and a 12 to 13 game stretch is, is kind of hard, but I will be very curious if, if people suspiciously sit a lot of players down the stretch as they try to gamify what comes next. So the way I see it, I'm going to give the Bucs the chance to take the one seed because they'll bring Brooke Lopez back, hopefully. And they might be a team that like looks to build a little momentum going into the postseason. Whereas the heat, I, I think they would be more comfortable sitting guys and resting guys. And the injury bug there seems pretty legit. So that could go either way, but I'm going to give it to the Bucs. Number one, I'll keep the heat number two. So by default, keep the Sixers at three. Um, I, yeah. I just want to, no, this could happen again more than any time in recent memory, at least in this conference. Uh, the the rising nature of the Nets could very well see either of those teams start to strategically rest players because who the hell wants to face them in the first round? Uh, it's a non-issue. I'll explain why in a moment. Um, then, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have the Celtics number four. That'd be fun. Just a dare to dream. And probably the Bulls at five with respect to Cleveland. So the Bulls are four games back, Cleveland six games back. So that is two games that Cleveland could very well end up the four seed, but they are a little banged up. And um, I just, I'm not feeling super confident about that team, but it is bunched up enough that I wouldn't be radically surprised. Then you have the Raptors, which a, a team that just won't go away. Criminally underrated, seven games back. I too could see them leaping all the way uh, to six or five, like even a shout at four. However, I'm just going to keep them at seven because I want them there because I want them to play the Nets in Toronto in the play-in tournament. So Hawks and Hornets, I don't care. (laughs) Whatever. They're probably going to stay there. The Nets are nine and a half games back. So even to jump the seven seed, they need to overcome two and a half games in the standings, three games in the last column. I just, I don't see this team doing that. I think that they're going to have nights where Kyrie or Durant have to sit uh, over the next few weeks. They're just players that need that rest. They don't really have a, a player in reserve that can go and steal a win for them. Um, 
And I don't think people are going to let up. I think people like playing the Nets at full tilt. I don't think anyone's going to lie down the, down the stretch. So the Nets are a scary team, but I actually don't really see a world where they do better than eighth. Maybe um, enough teams rest and they, they get a little lucky that they can climb to seven, but I think they're kind of screwed and stuck at eight or less, um, even with the best player in the world, perhaps, in Kevin Durant. Um, so I see the Nets playing the Raptors in the, in the play-in with respect to the Hawks and Hornets, who very well could you know, win a single game, but that's not as fun as the Nets have to go to Canada. Kyrie Irving cannot play. I don't even know if he can go to Canada. And all of his, I'll politely say, tomfoolery the season comes to a head because uh, if there's justice in the NBA world and the NBA gods want to look out for the way things ought to be, that's how the postseason shakes out. So I don't really see too much movement. I think the Bucks will uh, put some put their foot on the gas a little bit before the playoffs start, and then maybe a little shuffling between the Bulls, Celtics, and Cavs. But I see the standings as pretty settled, which I know is not super exciting. Um, but what is exciting to me is that Raptors Nets play in game in Toronto. Um, people who are listening, I'm emphatically crossing my fingers because that would be. We all want this except for Nets fans. They might even want it too. I can't wait for Kyrie Irving to not be a net and our Nets fans friends to be like, yeah, that dude, you tried to warn us. <laughs> a lot of them are a lot. of them. Yeah. 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 You are. Um, anything that you've, you disagree with, with that. I mean, we, reasonable assessments i think that we we have slightly different ideas about what could happen uh in terms of some very minimal movement but more 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 or less we agree so uh we think that it's probably going to be the bulls there's a chance that it's the sixers or the Cavs in the first round for the celtics but probably the bulls um i think we both agree that that's a winnable series for boston um with respect to DeMar DeRozan, who is the man, that that team just hasn't had the health to really put it together. Um, I don't know if Lonzo would be back. I don't. There's a big question about that. Yeah, I'm not so sure either. Uh, I think it will be a much stiffer challenge. Uh, but I mean, you also have to think he's not been playing with him for a long time. So it's not like he's just going to suddenly snap back to how he was playing to start the season. Yeah, DeMar, Vucevic, and uh, is Vucevic back? Yeah. Not sure. I don't know. I thought he was. I mean, he's in and out. I mean, you you can't take for granted that in four weeks he's going to be there. Uh, but he, Levine, and DeRozan, that's a great trio, but the defense just isn't there. And if Caruso's working his way back, if they get Caruso and Ball, I actually think that the Celtics could very well lose that series. But as constructed, and even at full tilt, Boston has a good chance of winning that one. I don't think home court really matters. I think the thing, too, to keep in mind is for a lot of these teams in Boston included, no one really, there's so much parity right now that no one really can even, like, sustain a starter turning an ankle safely, you know? So, Mm -hmm. really, there's going to be a fair amount of luck going on in what ends up determining who actually does advance, at least in my opinion. Yeah, and to, to, I made a claim that I didn't know was true. Um, The Bulls and Celtics have analogous home and away record. So yeah, you're, you're totally right. Everyone is kind of skating on injury thin ice, so to speak, because the league is so well balanced. Um, so all of what we are talking about could change in a blink and the blink of an eye. Um, I would rank Raptors nets play in as the number one postseason possibility for the East. 
I guess I can guess what the second uh, best outcome would be, but what are some matchups that are plausible and exciting to you in the first round Celtics or not? Uh, in the first round, oof. you know, I, I, I would have to think about this more. Sorry. I know it's not compelling. Oh, about I thought you knew the answer. It's Nets. <laughs> it's Nets Sixers. That could happen. Well, obviously, but I mean, at any point in the, in the playoffs where that happens, that's going to be appointment viewing. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that there's a, so again, the Nets could, could get in as the uh, seven, eight or eight spot and the Sixers could be the one or two spots. So that could happen very soon. I would love, love, love that. I'd also, I'm Hawks curious. I don't think that they're stone cold killers like last season, but um, if somehow they snuck their way into the playoffs and got another shot at the Bucks, I think it wouldn't go in favor of Atlanta, but I'd like to see that very much. Um, I feel like they're missing John Collins a lot more than they would have in the past because of trimming down their roster and, and kind of like concretizing roles a bit more. And they just haven't been very good without him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very curious what happens with the Cavs and the Raptors if they play the Sixers. Um, I think that the key to stopping, I've teased this a few times. I think the Celtics could beat the Sixers because I think the key is having players that can guard a Harden and Embiid pick and roll. And that means players that are lanky and athletic. Yeah, and they have the weight. big men who can double and know how to double Embiid while also having somebody who can then also split off and guard Harden and let everyone else eat, you know, let everybody else kill you. But they can right. take out the two most important scorers in a way that very few teams in the NBA, and I don't think really anyone else in the East can. So, yeah, I think the Celtics are Sixers kryptonite for that reason. But I, the Cavaliers and Raptors remind me of those Thunder teams that were just like all arms and legs. and um, like if the Raptors went to a zone against the Sixers for the postseason, I, I just, I'd be so fascinated. It's, it's a team that is so interestingly constructed and I think it would work. Um, and I like jo- Joel Embiid a lot, but it would be such a hilarious comeuppance. Um, I think I'd rather see the Sixers lose than see Embiid win. Um, so yeah, I'm very curious. I think the Cavs could do something similar because they have so much size. They could really put the squeeze on the 76ers. I don't think this, that that holds for the Bucks. although I do think size and length matter against the Bucks very much. So the Raptors and Cavs, I think, are very frisky teams, even though I don't think they'll ultimately represent the East in the finals. Um, any other thoughts on the seeding or any first-round matchups that as the postseason comes into focus, you're kind of pondering over? Off the top of my head, uh, the only first-round matchup I don't want to see, and it's basically impossible at this point, would be running into Miami early. Even in the second round, I wouldn't want to run into them. It would require some epic losing streaks for it to even realistically be a possibility. But of all the teams that we could possibly face, uh, I, I think that Miami locked in is – I'm still scarred from the bubble. I, I realized <laughs> that it was a very unique situation. But for whatever reason, uh, I just still have this paranoia about them that I just can't shake. No, I feel the same way. And I, I, I don't have the Bucks figured out at all. I, we talked a little bit about media market size. I don't know that, that a small market stops you from – creating a contender, but it stops you from getting the buzz a contender deserves. And I just, I don't think we've talked about, or, and I personally haven't seen much of the Bucks 
this season. So I know they're not steamrolling people the same way. I know that they have warts in a new way, but. Well, one of those things I think is intentionally other, I think is a mistake. I think that they really screwed up at the trade deadline in terms of expanding their depth in a way that would have really been helpful for the playoffs. But at the same time, I do think that the reason why they were, I won't, I don't want to say patsies, but like comparatively easier to beat than they have been in quite some time was just because they were just mailing it in for the first half, three fourths of the season, even. Yeah. And I mean, Giannis, we said this the other day, Giannis scored 50 in a closer game in the finals. I mean, it begins and ends. The buck stops with Giannis, but that was good. That was good. That was pretty good. Chris Middleton played out of his goddamn mind in the postseason when they won the title. And he's been playing great, but not, Celtics killer, Chris Middleton, great. He's just been good. So if he's good, not great, I think that that's a big demerit for the Bucs too. But uh, hopefully we don't have to deal with that in the first round and we can deal with the Bulls, the Cavs, with respect to the Midwest. So let's uh, let's pause there because we'll, we'll probably do this a few more times before the playoffs actually arrive. Thank you for everyone who listened. Thank you for everyone who liked and subscribed. Thanks for everyone who's already downloading other editions of the Celtics Lab podcast. Um, remind me again the podcast that you were on this afternoon. Orioso Verdes. Proud greens if my translation is not complete trash. And I, I'll close with my best Jerry Remy and say, buenos noches, amigos. Um, so thanks for listening and we, uh, we'll catch you later.